Yeah, that's how we do it. I say cannon, you say fodder, cannon, fodder, fodder, cannon, fodder, fodder, cannon, fodder, 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 fathers, cannon, faller, Camlin. I'll be honest, that went. 25 to 30 percent better than i expected that and we worked on that we spent all weekend working on that that was our best take that was take number one we went to a retreat in uh, the mountains for two days straight working on that and we, we know each other very well now but somehow can't get that simple call and response hello everyone welcome fodder yep almost almost <laughs> welcome to the cannon fodder podcast i am daniel barnes film critic and just all around cinephile with me is my good friend and fellow cinephile his name is corky mcdonald hi all you silly billies out there who put up with our shtick <laughs> and eventually we get around to talking movies yeah we'll get there eventually but this is uh, the part of the show i've decided where we um just you know we just talk about the issues of the day so uh <laughs> what what do you think about them corky yeah, your thoughts. Uh, your thoughts. Your thoughts on DeSantis. Uh, DeSantis. Does he, does he have a chance? Uh, sh- no, n- not against Hanukkah Harry. Oh, DeSantis. DeSantis. I, <laughs> sorry, my bad. <laughs> any any good movies you've seen lately, Quirky? Anything interesting? Anything that piques your interest? Last time we talked, I I watched Hard Day's Night. Finally, that was a that was a fun watch. Yeah, I first time you've seen Hard much. Day's Night. That's really cool. Yeah, great mm-hmm. movie. Um, I'm a lots of fun. Huge Beatles fan. Yeah. Noted cinephile. <laughs> and it was the first time I had seen it. Goofy. It's a lot of slappy stick. They were having a lot of fun. You know, they were on uppers. They were young. They were just loving life. Yeah. Um, just doing their thing, man. They were just, they were just like, go yeah. nuts in a field. And boy, they ran with it. Classic stuff. Of course, here on the Cannon Fodder Podcast, we're tearing through the cinematic canon, one random selection at a time. In our previous episode, Quirky, if you'll recall, you can think all back that far, we reviewed Sergei Eisenstein's Battleship Potemkin. And just when you thought we wouldn't have those pesky Russians to deal with anymore... Well, here we are again. That's because at the end of our last episode, the random number generator gods, the the holy, the holy ones, uh, the random number generator gods bestowed us with one of the more obscure films on the Sight and Sound Critics list. It was Soviet director Bruno Barnett's 1936 collectivist romantic comedy musical by the bluest of seas. Which I had never heard of. Never heard of, me neither. Me neither. Didn't know anything about this movie. Very panicked when I went to go look for it where it was streaming. <laughs> never know Conflated it with Under the Bluest Sky. So I was getting all over the place. I'm like, that's. I know it's from the 30s. These aren't Russian movies. Yeah, just like, is it a blue sea? Is it a blue sky? You don't know, sea from sky. Corky? You're no. all mixed up. <laughs> and it's Russian, so I thought it was Red Seas. Hello. <laughs> Red Seas. <laughs> Seas. The letter for communist. So in our in our last episode when we were were reviewing Potemkin, um, which we both love Battleship Potemkin, by the way, uh, we didn't talk too much about Eisenstein himself, but he is very widely recognized as as one of the pioneers of cinema. 
Um, he's, he's like I say, he's that classic first few weeks of film school kind of guy. You're going to see pictures from Potemkin. But he also made October, Alexander Nevsky, the Ivan the Terrible movies. He was recognized around the world, traveled the world, pursued projects in the West and Europe and Mexico. Bruno Barnett is much more obscure, much more obscure place in cinema history. This is one of his best-known films, and like you said, we had to watch it on YouTube because there's no, there's never been a release of this movie. Uh, like and no restoration, obviously. Certainly not. Yeah, um, there's there's some better prints and some worse prints. I'll make sure to leave a, a a link to one of the better ones on in the post for the show. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. The picture's rough. The sound is rough. Um, Barnett, of course, studied under Lev Kuleshov. Let's remember Lev Kuleshov from last week, the Kuleshov theory, editing to elicit a specific response in the audience. And I think that theory applies to sound here as much as image. Barnett directed his first feature in 1927. He worked consistently through the 1960s, one of the more popular Russian directors of his day. Not widely exported, probably because he worked in popular genres like this one, and I think Gilgit Quirky. This is not so much a, a communist propaganda film. It is, of course, because how couldn't it be? But it's handled with a much lighter touch than it is in uh, Potemkin. Yes, it's a definitely a lighter touch. It's propaganda in a different way, though. Yeah, it is. Absolutely, it is. Um, it's lighter overall. I would say it's kind of a light film. More, you know, I don't want to say flimsy, but it's the lightest movie we've reviewed so far, I would think. And Absolutely. more in common with like classic musical comedies from, from Hollywood from the 1930s and that tone of and style. Much more in common with them than with Battleship Potemkin. Um, po- politic- politically, of course, much more in common with Potemkin than the Western films. But in the tone, the style... Um, it does feel like a movie from the 1930s. Uh, well, it is a movie from the 1930s. It feels like a Hollywood musical from the 1930s. Very simple setup. Shipwreck sailors, Yusuf and Aloshka, they're rescued from the Caspian Sea. They're taken to this collective, collectivist paradise, this fishing paradise off the coast of Azerbaijan. They both become mm. smitten with Marat Maria, who is the cute blonde team leader, and every now and then they all break out into song. And and from there, it's kind of, you know, there's some really beautiful, artful stuff going on here. But it's it's a pretty fairly standard love triangle type musical, just with this yeah. kind of, this thin glaze of communist dogma. It's a light, they really glazed it really, like just like with a little olive oil or something. This is not a maple glaze kind of a glaze, okay? It's not a, one of those thick kind of glazes. I thought it was candied. I thought it was baked on, caked on. You have to get through the outer communist candy shell to get to the delicious love triangle romantic comedy. In the <laughs> Absolutely. You can't avoid it, that's for sure. Um, but there is something really kind of fascinating, uh, jarring, and revealing to see this movie that was produced in the Soviet Union. And it just kind of be like, all right, well, what is, what is a, a communist rom-com? look like what is an early yeah. sound era musical produced in lenin's or uh, stalin's russia what does that look like and here it is and there's also something i think striking in this the style which mixes these silent movie techniques with this um unique use of sound unique use of music and just all the overall ebullience of the movie i think is interesting everyone is grinning from ear maria especially in the middle of a shipwreck, is grinning like an idiot. Everyone is constantly just grinning this big grin. They love that fishing, Corky. They fishing, <laughs> colon, it's on. 
They, <laughs> they, they just, they just want to fish, fish for the common good. Yeah, they just want to provide for their fellow brothers uh, and sisters. That's it. So, my question to you, Corky, as you were watching by uh-huh. the bluest of seas, were you grinning from ear to ear at this? Soviet musical, this romantic triangle, this collectivist rom-com. Uh, were you grinning or, or did this one, uh, were you grinning or was this one a, a miss for you? No, there's cute parts in it. I was grinning. There's cute parts. I like the, the Yusuf, the actor. He was good. It wasn't, didn't feel like it, he's good for 1930s. He was just good. The The real thing to come to this, this movie for, to me, is the shots of the Caspian Sea. Really, it's quite the uh, it's amazing, and even though, like we said, it's not a restored print, black and white. I imagine that some t- someday, maybe in our lifetime, they're going to be able to actually go back in and colorize this stuff, and you're mm. going to get some amazing looks at this. They will <laughs> at that time, they will. but um, it was it's it's not much to it. It's kind of there's no character beyond the stereotypes that's why i I thought it was really heavy on communist propaganda because like you know these are two sailors strong for the cause they're heroes from several battles or uh times out at sea they come to this island where it's led by a woman it's like this matriarchal paradise Mm. Mm-hmm. And they fall. They fall right in line, like good communist brothers and sisters. Um, artists are worthless. They don't contribute. They're <laughs> they are actually a hindrance to the society. If you're mechanically inclined, you're good. If you mm-hmm. provide, you're good. Uh, sewing, fishing. So that's they're more roles than actual characters. Um, so I think there wasn't much for me about that. But some of the slapstick stuff worked for me. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I like that love is represented by sour face lemons. Like whenever somebody's <laughs> sharing a lemon, it, right. it, it, this island, that's the worst thing on this island is these lemons that they all suck on. But they're obviously falling in love and everybody makes a sour face at the thought of like, you know, kind of falling for each other. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I was smiling a little bit. Just a little bit though. Didn't fully. Just a little bit. Fully work. I, it, nothing grabbed me. Nothing mm-hmm. like pulled me in yeah i think i think i'm largely um in agreement with you although i i hate colorization i certainly don't want anyone to colorize this movie i would love it if they would restore it uh restore Mm. some of those rough cuts and some of those images but boy there really is some beautiful stuff and as you said it's the caspian sea those shots on the caspian sea that are just like some i just like how did they get that shot like how how in like the 1936 were they able to coordinate all that on the open seas? It just seems amazing to me. But there's some really beautiful shots there. And like as I said in the intro, I, I, what I think is interesting is this mix of these silent movie techniques, like slow motion, more moving cameras, um, rear projection and things like that with the early sound techniques and especially the use of sound. And I think music, but also sound editing. Like there's a use of, of, mm-hmm. of edits of sound, of sound effects that is really ahead of its time. And as I said, it's, it, it as much influences emotions and feelings as like the editing of the images does, is the editing of the sound, which is kind of a, one of those unsung uh, things. I think where I would disagree a little bit is that I don't think the, the two sailors are set up to just be like 
avatars of like this is what a good Russian is supposed to be like. I feel like they're mm. set up as sort of like a comedy duo. Uh, these frenemies they're a frenemy duo this mismatch duo and i think they're supposed to be sort of stereotypical soviet bumpkins in a way like what Mm. would have been the stereotype of the time aloyshka he's tall he's blonde he's handsome he's a good repairman well he says he is but he's kind of a himbo like he's a he's a bit of adult sometimes yusuf meanwhile he's short he's stocky he's that comic relief he's doing a lot of comedy business and I think to me this is where the movie failed. He's, he's fine as an actor, but I just mm. I didn't think the comedy business was was funny at all, really. And I I love classic oh. comedies. I I like broad comedy if it's funny, and I didn't think this was very funny. At least it didn't travel for me. Um, you know, like the, there was a couple of clever bits, but to me it was more the dreamlike imagery um, that worked. Not the music so much. Not so much the <laughs> comedy elements. It's just because. As a fan of classic Hollywood musicals, this kind of pales in, in in almost every way. Oh, this yeah. pales in comparison as far as the artistry, as far as the technical elements, the musical elements, all of those kind of things. And yet, there's a spreadsheet. You can go and see every single movie that received any vote from any of the critics in this poll. And there's classic Hollywood gets an absolutely short shrift here. There's not a single... Uh, Manelli has nothing in the top 250. There's not a single vote for an Astaire and Rogers movie. All the other films from the 30s that, that uh, this is evoking, the uh, Hollywood films from yeah. the 30s, nothing, nothing. And this is just, it's not as good. It's just, it's the communist almost gimmick of it, I think, is what is really grabbing uh, people who are who are voting for it. Liked the film. But again, I think it's that dreamlike imagery the overall dreamlikeness of it of these two shipwrecked sailors who just end up in this paradise with this absolutely beautiful woman they're both pursuing her so some of the comic bits did work i i will say i think um there's one <laughs> one really funny one where they're having an argument at sea about maria and she just gets washed down like right into their laps basically yeah, right? <laughs> like the storm like washes her right down into them that was really. That's good. like Marx but Brothers. That's yeah. it, that is a really good bit. That is really good, but some somewhat few and far between. That was like my grabbing scene because it, the boat's rocking. It's obviously a boat that is either on a stage to recreate the waves, the movement of waves, or it's an actual boat at sea rocking. And the mm-hmm. the camera, the director, kind of leans into that, bringing someone into view when it's time for their response as it's like you're rolling on the waves. Yeah. We're on uneven ground here. You know, I thought it was pretty interesting. I, that was like my favorite shot. Mm-hmm. The comedy worked for me from the beginning when they're rescuing them. The guy even get tickles and laughs when he gets brought up into yeah. the boat. The artist who's a terrible hunter, he has the worst dog in the world for duck hunting, just almost barely doggy paddling through a, <laughs> a little swamp. It's like, obviously this guy is not fit for this role. Um, and yeah, right. so like the, the, the little bits worked for me. Um, but yeah, you're right. Wow. When they break into song, it reminded me, I don't know if you've ever seen that Simpsons episode where they have to watch this old black and white movie in class. And it's just like a guy dressed as a Canadian Mountie. And he's like, when I'm loving you and loving me and loving you, that's what it was like to me. It was very stiff. Yeah. So let's talk about the story a little bit. As I said, it's a very simple kind of setup. A lot of it is explained through this like on-screen copy that there are two sailors who were shipwrecked. 
they've been floating in the Caspian seas for, for two days and then they're rescued in this really beautiful backlit shot by these fishermen and they wait, just wake up there. And it's almost like this magical place that they wake up because it's this collectivist communist paradise, you know? And and as you said, uh, there's this beautiful woman, this blonde woman who's always smiling and she's so beautiful. And then to find out like, Oh, she's a team leader too. Boy, oy, 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 oy. (laughs) Like that is like, well, she's really hot, which is like kind of an interesting counterpoint to what would have been the ideology um, in the Western films, which was like, no woman of mine should be working, right? The ultimate goal is for her to be draped in furs. And I wondered if like this was like the communist, the the director, it was like, all right, let's make a communist propaganda, an agitprop chick flick. Like this is going to get this. They're going to have relationships. It's going to be woman focused. Um, She's also, she's not only the object of desire, she's the most competent person in this whole fucking thing. So I wonder if they were like, yeah, but this is for the people at home. Yeah. You know, not the people out on the front. So it's all about keeping your word to the soldiers while they're away. Don't, you know, don't chuck them aside. They need you on the front there on the front lines. Yeah, everyone gets really kind of dewy-eyed and gets that faraway look in their eyes whenever they mention the Pacific Fleet. He's out there <laughs> in the Pacific Fleet. Like, they just get these stars in their eyes, you know? It's like, oh, to be in the Pacific Fleet, you know? Like, the movie's just kind of like, hey, remember Nazis. So just, you know, hey. <laughs> <clears throat> World War Two's coming. Just as a, hey, just as a heads up. That's a heads up. Um, so they, they stay on the Island. They're both very smitten with Maria. They're both kind of competing for her. One of them kind of Mm -hmm. pushes the other one on the water. So he'll get some time alone with her and they decide to stay on at this collective. They make themselves useful in a very communist sort of way. One of them is an experienced sailor. So he's going out on the boats. One of them is a machinist. So he's going to repair the motors on the boats and all this other kind of stuff where it takes a turn is, um, in the com- the competition, but also in in their status on the island, is Aloyshka. This is the machinist. He claims to be sick in the heart to get out of work. <laughs> I need to use that one. Uh, <laughs> but instead, he's really is going to get flowers, and he buys a necklace for Maria. Uh, it's all just a ploy to get Maria, right? Um, Maria, boy, Maria's really hard to read. <laughs> she's alone she's been alone for a little bit but it's like she likes the attention yeah she is just she's always smiling she's very inviting and then at the same time she's like pushing you off while she's smiling you know so oh send yeah. a message here i was gonna say i think she's very demonstrative in her re- rebuttals of oh all very creatures. very much so. when they're when they're expressed when they're expressed she's friendly she's lo- uh, welcoming she's Caring. She likes the attention. Okay. She's been alone for a little bit. We've seen the kind of dudes that are on the island. No yeah, great right. shakes. I was Team Masha, man. Team Masha. Well, we're all Team Masha, really, aren't we? This what do you want to be? Team Yusuf? Give me a break. <laughs> so Yusuf um accuses Aloishka. So again, remember this like this rivalry is like really heating up. And and again, I mean this is like a classic plot of of any kind of comedy sure. from, or comedy or romance or anything is like the two guys who are going after the girls. World War II especially was just filled with like these kind of movies. And they were set up as propaganda too. Anyway, going off on a tangent. Um and you know in this movie like 
letting down your comrades, that is the worst crime. Not dunking your friend in water so you can go and try to steal some guy's girlfriend or something like somebody in the Pacific fleet. No, you let down your comrades. Like you were the only one who knew how to fix the boat. You didn't, we didn't meet our quota. <laughs> you know, like this is the worst thing that could happen to them. Like, good God. That's where it gets a little heavy handed. Um, but yeah. also, it's, I don't know, it's fascinating. Like, it's every, every movie sets its own kind of moral, ethical universe. So now it really, the, 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 it's heating up big time now, this rivalry between them. Yusuf now thinks he's got the inside track. He's like, oh boy, here we go. He sings a song. He dreams of going fishing with her. <laughs> like, enough with the fishing. Yusuf, hey, bro, like, seriously, that's not helping you here. She fishes all the time. Um, but yeah, this whole becomes a war. This is the scene where like all of a sudden there's a big storm that hits. She washes down like right in the middle of them as they're fighting. And she eventually washes overboard. Um, Aloyshka jumps in to save her. He can't save her. <laughs> this is like one of the best parts. They think like, oh, there's some kind of romantic sentiment about like their lost love and about how beautiful she was and how what a lovely person, you know. A fine team leader is lost. <laughs> like, that's, oh, we were doing so good at fishing. That's the big thing, right? Uh, but obviously, Aloyshka and Yusuf, they're heartbroken. She's apparently lost. It's their last day on the island. She's leaving, and boom, she just washes ashore. Yeah, this no, is I mean, the no good shot. Or whatever. You know, some foreground action, some background action. Mm-hmm. Aloyshka sprinting to once he realizes it's her washing in the, in the waves, sprinting over. That's beautifully shot. This poor actress, man. She, she, you could almost see her just like cut, cut this fucking thing, stop. Please. She's just I'm, I'm she's dying. tossed in the waves. <laughs> poor girl. Poor, poor Masha. Uh, yeah, as then she gets her little, uh, like, uh, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn moment, right? She gets to show up at her own funeral. Um, yeah. She's, uh, crashes her own funeral, turns into a big old party. Uh, and Aloyshka, it finally he sees his chance. Uh, Yusuf is delayed, um, for some really silly reason. Everyone's trying to put a suit on him or something. Like I that. liked it. I thought he, I uh, thought he was good. Well, what do you know? She turns both of them down. She turns both of them down. And why, Corky? Why? Because she's got a man in the Pacific Fleet. <sighs> it's all about the Pacific Fleet, baby. She cradles, stares, and fondles this picture like the dad in Dancing It's On. Like, carries that picture of a Pacific Fleet sailor around everywhere. <laughs> Oh yeah, and Aloyshka and Yusuf—they're dejected, and but again, like good comrades, they they empathize with the guy. Oh yeah, with the guy who's out in the Pacific Fleet, right? They're kind of like, you know what? If you were that guy out there risking your life saving our country, wouldn't you want your woman taken care of and not hit on by a bunch of filthy sailors? Some Aloyshka come lately. 
So they move on. There's more fish to be caught elsewhere, fishing season back home. But they break out in song as they wave goodbye. They sing about a soldier who's returning home. And, you know, that's your movie, Blade the Blues Device. Quirk, you talked about your favorite shot. You want to talk about it a little bit more? What was it again? Well, it was the one where they're in the cabin of the boat and they're arguing about Mm. her. It's right before she washes down in. And it just right. it's swinging okay. back and forth because it's rocking on the seas. And when it cu- cuts over to Aloyshka, and when I say cut, I shouldn't say cut. It just kind of swings over to him. You see his reaction, and it swings back to Yusuf because it's kind of Yusuf's monologue. But we get these reaction shots, and it's very coordinated. I thought it was really uh, effective. Yes. Yes, and it's done as though it's the wrecking of the ship. Yeah, the, oh, that's a great point. Great scene, too. And that's that's really... That's pretty ahead of its time, too, of mm-hmm. uh, kind of using the camera like that in a dialogue scene. Um, my favorite shots, uh, we talked about those gorgeous shots of, of the Caspian Sea, the windswept Caspian Sea. It's funny, both this movie and Potemkin, and uh, opening shot is crashing waves. Uh, Dan, um, I just want to say, if people listen to Cannon Fodder think it's about movies, no, this thing is about Russians, boats... <laughs> Love triangles, people stranded on boats. I mean, Rashomon, Limiche, uh, <laughs> Potemkin. What is this with, was, with all the boats? Yeah, what's with all the boats? What's with all the love triangles? I, Rashomon's not a love triangle, right. but it's still a relationship triangle. Uh, Bicycle thief, we get a bike at least. My God, but Jesus. Yeah, all the boats and all the, the shipwrecks. Hey, yeah. Uh, my favorite shot, though, is it's the scene where Yusuf is denouncing Aloyshka and mm. Maria realizes what happened, realizes that he shirked work to give her this necklace. And then we see the shot of her pulling at the necklace. The beads fall away in slow motion, and then it cuts to her feet, and the beads are just like ting, 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 falling in slow motion around her feet. It's just this amazing shot, and it is a, a very silent movie kind of a shot that wouldn't necessarily be in movies from from this era. And I think that's one of the tensions of this that's so interesting is like this sort of silent classicism with the newfangledness of the sound technology. Yeah, because it's, it's incorporating kind of vaudeville type stuff, uh, Russian gymnastics. Like these guys, well, at least Aloyshka, he's buff as fuck, man. His muscles mm. have muscles, right? And he's, he's not buff <laughs> like Schwarzenegger buff. He's like buff like gymnast buff. Like you right. could see this guy on the rings kind of strength. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely. So it, it's incorporating that kind of stuff. So it's still almost again, Marx brothers who just were making movies of their stage plays. This is like, these guys probably, you know, knew how to entertain in, in halls in um, mm-hmm. vaudeville style halls. Yeah. I mean, that's, and audiences probably expected that kind of entertainment. Russian film but that's the history of american film for sure that's that's american comedy that's how that all started but i mean it seems logical sure why not i'll buy it i just like i'm just making shit up i don't know we'll go with i don't it. have the facts on that one i'm making shit up but you know what it it sounds legit i'm gonna go with it let's put, <laughs> let's i'm gonna update the wikipedia page of this fucking movie <laughs> quirky yeah we have come to that point in the show where we are going to make a determination and decide whether this movie will be canonized, canon fodderized. That is, at this point, we take a look back at the movie and we give our ratings. It's very simple. Did we think that this 
selection from the Sight and Sound Critics Bowl was Sound. If so, it goes right into the canon. Or was it a little slight? And if so, what slighted movie that the critics did not put on their list would you put in its place? Corky, I put the question to you, sir. Slight or sound? I want you to imagine a cannoneer lighting the wick on the back of a (laughs) cannoneer. I'm making shit up. It just sounds good. Just like everything is eerie. Like what? <laughs> You're right. He, it's not the cannon ear who lights the wick. It's the wick ear. The wick ear. It's light, the wick ear. Yeah, he right? lights the wick. This is a two man operation. The cannon <laughs> rears back and it goes boom and out comes a little flag that says slight. So mm. it is not a sound selection for womp, womp, me. It's womp. it's slight because it is a slight movie in terms of character, in terms of plot, mm. um, and even those could be simple. I could watch a movie with simple character, simple plot, but there's got to be enough to grab me, and there wasn't the kind of things to grab me. There's some beautiful shots, man, of the mm. sea, of boats out, backlit, especially sunset at sea, seagulls flying. There's a lot yes. of great shots like that, um, but it doesn't go deep. In one of the uh, YouTube searches I did for this, I did find a French woman who was kind of a film historian, and she was explaining some of the stuff. That was a better restoration uh, than the one I watched, the one she used, and it's just like a six-minute mm. thing. She talks through some stuff. She was finding things way deeper than I was, like that it was a rebirth. Mm. These two guys just come into this island. Uh, we don't know their history. They're just born to a place of uh, wonder. So she's finding deeper things, and I wasn't finding those. I I just don't think they existed. I think it was a, it was a light truffle of a movie with heavy-handed communist propaganda for a different audience. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, which is I think cool I'm, as an, uh, which is cool as an outlier of Soviet films of that time, but it just it didn't move me much. Yeah, we got a high bar here. I think like you, I, I also, I like the film. I, I like it. Thumbs up for sure. Glad I watched it. Um, but our 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 bar is very high. This is our personal canon, our canon fodder canon, which means it needs to be right up there with uh, some of the great films of all time. And while I did really like it and liked a lot of elements, I, again, I would have to say it was also slight. Sorry, by the bluest of seas, you did not make the canon fodder cut. No. You are hereby banished. No, you're not banished. No. Go watch this movie. Yeah, it's really interesting, I think, especially if you have an interest in, in movies of this era, of Russia in this era. But, I, I mean, I would recommend a lot of Hollywood musical comedies um, before it. Now, Corky, do you have a selection, a slighted movie, not in the Sight and Sound Top 250 that you would put in its place? Yeah, I do. It's uh, So well, I'm going to stay on the theme here. And it's a Norman Jewison, it. Norman Jewison film from the 1960s. Uh, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Uh, one of Alan, All right. Ar- yeah, one of Alan Arkin's earliest roles, and it has uh, features a lot of Americans playing Russians. But it, yes. it's a fun little comedy. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of slapstick, a little bit of love interest, and just a lot of good performances. And Alan Arkin is great. He's one of my favorite actors, and he's great in this. Yeah, and filmed uh, like in Bodega oh, Bay, right? That's the other thing. No, right, right there in the California coast. Um, it's filmed in one of my favorite places of all uh, on Earth, Mendocino. Mendocino, that's what it is. Yeah, I know it was right on the coast there. Uh, yeah, 
good movie. I enjoy it. I like it. I don't. I'm, I can't canonize it with you there, but I, I do say that's a, a film I would recommend, and I'd recommend it probably higher than By the Bluest of Seas. Yeah. My selection is another 1930s musical. Uh, this is an American musical, though. It is called Love Me Tonight, directed Ooh. by Ruben Mamoulian. As I was saying, Hollywood musicals get a short shrift in this top 250 sight and sound list. Zero votes. Zero votes for Ruben Mamoulian's Love Me Tonight, starring Marie Chevalier and Jeanette McDonald's. Why is it better? Let's count the ways. Better songs. Richard Rogers, Lorenz Hart. They're pretty good, I guess. <laughs> better singers. Jeanette McDonald, Marie Chevalier, great actors, uh, great character actors from the 30s like Charles Ruggles, C. Aubrey Smith, Myrna Frickin' Loy's in it. Wow. Outstanding production design, these surreal musical numbers with the moving camera, really brilliantly directed by the underrated Ruben Memolian. And it has a, a, a very comparatively Western setup. Uh, although it is, again, it's a romantic comedy musical about somebody that's sort of fish out of water. But uh, in this one, of course, it's about a lower class tailor who fakes his way into aristocracy, this love between royalty and a commoner, upper and lower, this idea you can move up or down based on charisma or character. Uh, whereas, you know, in Russia, we're all comrades, right? There's no, there's no upper class aristocracy, royalty, bourgeoisie, isn't it? We're comrades, and you're comrade, I'm comrade. This is one a very American film, or a very Western film, I should say, because of those ideas. And then it's just an emphasis on sexuality and mm. decadence and those kind of things. Capitalism, baby, it's a swinging scene, and it's a happening. <laughs> Join me. Love me tonight. It is an absolutely delightful film it's not currently streaming free to watch on youtube and you see it every now and then on turner classic movies by the bluest of seas you can watch for free on youtube like i said i'll put a link in the post for the show so you get a good as as good of a print as there is uh, available all right that's what we thought about by the bluest of seas but tell us what did you think about it did you watch it with us did you hear on the last episode that we were going to watch this and then do your due diligence and watch it on YouTube. It's only like what an hour and eight minutes. It's really, it's like a fucking breeze, right? It's like a seagull wafting on the wind. It is. It's not even 70 minutes. No, it is a, it's a quick little confection. Yeah. Um, but we, if you did, we'd love to hear your take on it. We'd love to hear what you thought. Did you think it was sound? Did you think it was slight? Contact us on Facebook and Instagram or at Dare Daniel Pod and let us know what you thought. Tell us what you think about us. Tell us what you think about the new show. How are we doing? How are you doing? Are you getting foddered? Get foddered. Corky. Religious sounds. Of course, this can only mean. It's time to receive our assignment from the random number generator gods. They come down from their heavens. We give them a nice little lower limit. We give them an upper limit. They randomly generate a number, and that decides what movie we will review on our next episode. Corky, are you ready? Oh, God, I've never been more Say a prayer. Let's go, numbers. It's number 29. Quirky, number 29 is a film. How old I am. (laughs) Hey, you're adorable. 
This is a film that I have seen before. I'd actually love this movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I really, really enjoy it. It is a film by the great German filmmaker Rainer Werner Fassbinder called Ali, mm-hmm. Ali, colon, Fear Eats the Soul. Fear Sweet. Eats the Fucking Soul. What a great title. There's no better title than Fear Eats the Soul. I love Will soul. Smith. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, you... You're mistaken, hot. You, da, um, eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrong Ali, huh? Wrong Ali, wrong Ali. Uh, okay. Ali, this is standing, standing Ali. Yeah, that's like Ali colon fear eats the soul. It's available to stream on Max if you have that. It's also on the Criterion Channel, which of course we highly recommend. And if you have neither of those things, it's available to rent on your usual Amazon, Apple TV, and so forth. Uh, Quirky, do you know this film? Have you seen this film? Are you aware of this film? I've heard of the director. I I don't. I mean, this is just, it takes place after he got stripped of his titles for refusing the Vietnam right. War, right? Right. Yes. This is this is actually about the Ali Frazier fights. Uh, Fear Eats the Soul mm. is an anagram for Frazier. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never, I've never. I'll read a brief book. synopsis. Emmy, it's from 1974, I should say. It's in color. German film. Emmy Kurowski, a cleaning lady, is lonely in her old age. One night she goes to a bar frequented by Arab immigrants and strikes up a friendship with middle-aged mechanic Ali. Their relationship soon develops into something more, and Emmy's family and neighbors criticize their spontaneous marriage. Soon, Al- Emmy and Ali are forced to confront their own insecurities about their future. I think it's a pretty great film. Uh, again, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm very excited to revisit it. Criterion Channel, Max, and then you know, come back here and listen to us chat about it. Yeah, I'm excited. It's our first movie in color. It, it is our first color movie. Isn't that crazy? Wow. You know the movie we're going to be watching next. If you want to watch it along with us, or if you want to watch it so you can listen and say, I don't agree with them at all, or <laughs> I totally agree with them. They're making great valid points. You'll be well informed. In the meantime, follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook and Instagram for updates on this show and the upcoming episodes of Dare Daniel. We got some fun stuff planned for that. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app. If you're interested in donating to the show, go to daredaniel.com, click the donate button, or find the support the show button in the menu. Honestly, tell your friends about us. Download, like, share. Subscribe wherever you're at. That's the best way you can help us because it gets us in the algorithm and gets more eyes on our stuff. Yeah, you must have a a cinephile um, brother or a cinephile friend or a cinephile nephew or grandfather, somebody who doesn't know about this show that you think like they might actually like to hear two semi-intelligent guys goof around while talking very seriously about movies. Spread the word, cannon fodder. Best team leader in your collective. Mm-hmm. Go up to them and be like, comrade, <laughs> have I got a podcast for you to listen to while you're a diligent worker providing for us all. They love those podcasts on the collectivist fishing farm. <laughs> they will be smiling ear to ear, ear to the ear. entire time. <laughs> listen to cereal. Smiling ear to ear. <laughs> and- for cannon fodder, get foddered. I'm Corky McDonald. 
And I am fodder to your style. I'm Daniel Barnes. <laughs> and until next time, save us a seat in the back row. <laughs>